see something that doesn't go the way we plan and respond? Do we bounce back or to positive, we got this, encouraging, yeah, I'm upset, but I'm going to get back in it? Today I have with me Jeff Benson of Mind Body Cheer in out of California. He is a uh, Mind Body Cheer is a sports performance company, and uh, Jeff has loads of experience with tumbling and um, helping teams to progress in mindset. And uh, he's got a background in kinesiology and clinical psychology. Um, and I'm really excited. I've been following you for a while, and I just everything that you post resonates with me. Um, personally but also like i think it's just been so needed in the chair world day and and for athletes in general um and so i think it's um i'm very happy to have you here and the reason uh, i reached out specifically just now is because your post last week about resilience um so i'm hoping that we can talk about resilience and mindset and let's do it yeah really important um so jeff how did you um like what sparked your interest to get into doing this aspect of cheer and how did you how did you get here okay so i will try to give you the cliff notes version of how i got to be 46 and still involved in cheer yeah i was a young uh very flamboyant energetic young boy who stood behind the middle school's shoulders and thought that the sun rose and set on them. And then Pam Halverson transferred to our private school and she was this really beautiful blonde girl who could flip. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. And very quickly started to want to get into gymnastics and tumbling. I promise cliff notes. Let me fast forward. That was like second grade. I remember uh, doing basketball, it was like the thing to do for the middle school boys, and I was like, I hate this. Why? Why am I putting through the, myself through this torture? So I was like, I want to be a cheerleader, and it was a private school, and surprisingly, everyone in my immediate class was like, Yeah, Jeff, that's totally for you. Like, definitely not trying to shoot hoops with the ball, going and flipping and tossing people is like totally up your speed. And at that time, in the 80s, boys doing that, just, it wasn't okay. And I felt embarrassed. And so I became like the mascot who flipped on the sidelines. And luckily for me, I was able to go and transfer to a public high school that had a men's gymnastics program. So I learned uh, how to do more advanced tumbling skills. I developed a little bit more leadership uh, qualities and transferred to Illinois State University where I got my degree as we talked about uh, in kinesiology education and was a competitive cheerleader in that program. Absolutely fell in love with the sport. I had 
so many amazing memories, specifically around the athletes on my team. And going from a individual-based sport like gymnastics to a team-focused sport like cheer really opened my eyes to improving myself. I got to see how people saw me as a leader, as a teammate, and I really was able to grow and flourish. Became a PE teacher, got a lot of feedback that I talked too much to my class. Not inappropriately, but we would process how we thought and how we felt and how we were interacting with each other. And my colleagues did not like that, being the young buck that I was. And I really pushed against a lot of people's boundaries, but was pretty successful with my kids. Other teachers liked having me around. My kids were great, but just didn't feel like Chicago. The suburbs of Chicago really allowed me to grow into who I wanted to be. So I stopped teaching, moved to California, got hired by Morton Bird with Cheerdrums.com, worked there for five years, worked under the tutelage of Derek Patterson, absolutely loved my time there, but very quickly understood that a lot of what helped me succeed in school, in gymnastics, in cheer was maladaptive or unhealthy, we'll get to it, I developed a fixed mindset, essentially. It was what was driving me to be good at what I was, and I all of a sudden got a lot of feedback that people did not like the way I was coaching, they did not trust me with their kids, in a, oh, he's he's the mean coach, and parents got very protective, I didn't like them, so it was a little bit too much friction, I was like, I can't do this cheer thing anymore, peace out. I'm going to go study psychology so I can find out why these people are crazy. <laughs> Got my degree in counseling psych, uh, became a marriage and family therapist, licensed out here in California, uh, had a private practice, but still kept in touch with the cheer community and really started realizing, whoa, I can see now why the parents were so mama bear, papa bear with the way in which I was coaching. I thought coming from the Midwest, which was pretty typical of the way I coached, it was not accepted out here in the West Coast in the same way. You are from Massachusetts. If a coach from Massachusetts came out to California and coached the same way, it's not going to work. If a coach from Chicago went down south to Georgia, I'm not saying it's not going to work, but you're going to get a lot of friction because different pockets of the country, yes ma'am, yes sir, um, some coaches, they totally can swear, their parents are in their business. So culturally speaking, I realized that, one, my experience in cheer, I had a lot of growing to do, and I did. And I also started to understand where parents were coming from. And then I saw, oh my gosh, <laughs> So many coaches are doing still what I was doing, and I actually have now this knowledge basis to be able to help educate cheer coaches, cheer athletes, and parents, and maybe I can work to help everybody start to see where the other is coming from to develop a more what I call champion-minded program. And that's kind of skipping a lot of steps, what got me to this amazing phone call and getting set with you today. That's a that's a great journey. That's um, and, it, um, and not just in the 
chair end of it, but like, and how you got there, but like your growth process and like you mentioned the fixed mindset and the, you know, and, um, but just recognizing that and being able to kind of change that is huge because many of us don't get there. Um, yeah. you know, um, I also wouldn't, I wouldn't, it never dawned on me to think that coaching styles are different in different regions of the country and yet it makes complete sense. <laughs> um, so that's a, that's an interesting takeaway from there, from that. Thank you. Um, and I think we have to, you know, recognize that as, I mean, there's a lot of kids from Massachusetts that go south, you know, to, to cheer because cheering is bigger, um, and, or, or vice, I mean, I don't know how many kids from the south come north because we have winter, but, um, but yeah. you know, I think that's, I think it's important for for kids to realize as they're starting to choose schools too, like, is this going to be a fit for me? And, and how's that going to be, especially if they're coming from, you know, a, a quieter coaching scenario or program. Yeah, um, you bring up a great point, that cultural values thing. If where I go, though it may give me the opportunity I want, do we match in terms of our value system? It's right. a very key component. Yeah. Um, I, di I didn't mention in the beginning uh, that, you had written a book called Unlocked, mm -hmm. uh, The Walls Come Tumbling Down, right? That's that right. right? Um, that is right. And talk about the, um, I wrote this down, so explaining how mental blocks are just a hurdle that can be overcome with hard work. Um, I think that's a, because that, people ask this, this is a very common question in the cheer moms groups about, you know, my, my cheerleader has a mental block, what do I do to, you know, um, so what what does that mean to you? Because uh, you know, I, I look and I, and I I can understand where they're coming from. You know, they just they have this fear they can't get over it. Um, but I but I've heard you and, and other people have said you know it's not really mental block. Like you can like work this. So how does that work? And what is it if it's not a mental block? Yeah, that's a great question. When we think of mental blocks. Essentially what, if we like peel it all back, what we're talking about is fear. Fear is a normal, natural part of the human experience. And when we are talking about fear, the alarm center of our brain, what I call our little brain or our amygdala, what it does is it senses danger in everyday life. It scans, bites down, smell, touch, touch taste, to let us know if there is something wrong. This was extremely beneficial, right, to our ancestors hundreds and thousands of years ago to make sure that they stayed alive. In fact, Lord, both you and I, our ancestors were very scared people who were the last to eat the berry, they were the last to leave the cave because that amygdala helped them make better choices. Those people or those tribes that were go and get it well, they, they, they died off because their amygdalas were not super strong. Wow, Jeff, I asked you about mental blocks. Why are we talking about all of this? Because I think it's really important to understand that regardless of an athlete having a, what I define a true mental block, by the athlete has excellent technique and form, they own the skill, they performed it hundreds of times before, multiple places in front of hundreds of people, and now they can't do that skill, mental block, or if they're just having what I would call a realistic fear. Um, I just learned my back handspring last week. I threw it on the uh, cheer floor, but today I'm scared. 
you don't own that skill. <laughs> I don't remember who, I, I can't uh, quote who said this, but you're renting the skill. You're renting the skill when you don't have excellent precision and form and your technique is not solid. You're renting the skill. And so though your fear is 100% valid and it is fine that you have it, it is not a mental block. You're talking about two very, very different ways in which to fix and approach these things. A lot of things will match. But when we're talking about this more extreme representation of fear and this more realistic fear, putting this realistic fear at the same level, it really creates this sense of hopelessness and immediacy and uh, this idea of fear in our culture and cheer with parents, with coaches. Oh my God, she didn't throw up one time. She has a mental block. And then they get just absolutely unhinged because they're thinking that is the same as the girl over there who had a full, broke her ankle, uh, got ACL surgery, hasn't tumbled in eight years. They think it's the same. And it's not. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so how do you? Well, one. I guess you have to look at it both on the coaching and the parents. And like, sorry, parents, but chill out. Let your coaches do your job. And two, coaches. You know, reckon, how do we start to recognize the difference? Um, you know, I mean, really knowing knowing where somebody's at, and not, like just what you said, they, they were throwing it all the time. Versus they're just new at the skill and, and learning. Yeah. Um, and being able to, like, because just yelling at them and, like, we'll throw it, you threw it yesterday, you're fine, isn't going to get, like, they just need reps, I would think, right? I mean, I'm sure this Oftentimes is they need reps. Uh, you uh, would understand based on your background, maybe there is thoracic mobility in uh, problems. Their uh, posterior kinetic chain is not as strong as it needs to be to accurately throw the skill. Or what is so common, parents and coaches, they don't understand that just because you can throw it at tryouts doesn't mean at minute two in a full-out routine that they're going to throw the same thing. You're going to have more fear in that more pressure-filled environment, in that more exhausted environment than you are when you're fresh and clean and you just started throwing it. That's why I have those requirements to know if it's a mental block or not. You have to already know what it's like to throw that skill exhausted, tired, and still keep excellent precision and form. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that part of that is getting into training and part of that is it recognizing that you like where you're at. And, rec and so we talk about strength and conditioning part of it and the mobility part of it and being able to like and it's not just a one-time thing it's a it's an ongoing and the adrenaline would feed into both scenarios um for sure likely in a tryout situation where it's a little less sort of less pressure um you know well a lot less pressure but different pressure it is it's <laughs> so different yeah um how does how can I want to kind of dive in, pivot a little into the mindset yeah. and, the, um, and the growth mindset and how, 
and I feel like we should be able to tie that together because I think if, you know if you're if you're willing to go and you're willing to learn and try different things and techniques, it's going to change how you're able to process and, and progress. Um, so, can you talk a little bit more about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset, and how yeah. um, can carry over into progressing the tumbling? One thousand percent. Being the fact that I have written a book on mental blocks, which also does, I have an entire chapter within there that has to do with mindset. These are two components that are interconnected. When we talk about fear is a natural emotional response that we all have, the mindset we have about our fear, about pressure, <laughs> is absolutely going to tell you what direction to go. So I'm going to just to color this a little bit, there is a formula out there for many of us to think about called E plus R equals O, the events, plus our response is going to create the outcome. So if the event is I am scared, <laughs> the way in which I respond to my fear, growth mindset, fixed mindset, is likely to tell us what the outcome is. All right, let's get back to your great question on like how do we tie mindset and mental blocks together? Earlier, I had mentioned one of the things that I realized held me back as an athlete, even though I had this internal drive to get good grades, to achieve high-level tumbling skills, to be the best on my cheer team, to be very competitive in a sport like cheerleading that is judged like gymnastics, like ice skating, we end up creating what I call like a perfection-based sport. It is not the same as basketball, where it is normal to miss a layup. Sometimes it's normal to miss a free throw. Pitchers, you're going to not throw strikes all the time. You're going to make mistakes. In fact, to celebrate like, oh my gosh, I had a no-hitter as a pitcher is a big deal. But in cheerleading, if you didn't hit, uh, it's catastrophic to have some one person on your team with 20 touchdowns. So what this does, this environment that is perfection-based, that is comparison-based, that I don't get to play defense against you, Laura. I don't get to throw marbles on the mat while you go and shoot air horns and try and like knock your flyers off. There's no offensive defense. Mm -hmm. You go put your best product out there. Now I put my best product out there, and judges can say whatever they want. They're comparing your two routines. So comparison... The most perfect team wins. What this develops is a fixed uh, mindset or this perfection-based perspective. And so I may mention, oh, I realized one of my limiters as I got older, it ended up being that I had this belief that if I ever made a mistake, I was bad. That developed from my years of being in perfection-based sports. My brain that started with like, I love this. This is so fun. I want to learn new skills. And I fell and I got up and I did it again and I fell again and I got up and it was like no big deal. You take that same Jeff from 14 trying to learn a janky bed leg back handspring on throwing it on a basketball floor to Jeff when he was 23 finishing college cheer and being a, now a high school cheer coach, 
I was not the same person. I was much more rigid. I was not as forgiving. I was not as emotional and wasn't focused on the relationships I was building anymore. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So this, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> so this fixed mindset ended up sabotaging the way that I felt about myself. So let's talk. So then what is this miraculous word that you keep throwing out there, Jeff? Fixed mindset. What we're talking about when we talk about mindset is Dr. Carol Dweck's research on mindset. This is over three decades of her studying what separates some people who see challenges as opportunities and some people who see challenges as a sign that they're no longer good. So for example, my very cute puppy right now is scratching at the window door next to me and my fixed mindset says, oh my gosh, you are on a podcast with someone. You look so unprofessional. You need to ignore the dog. But I'm going to show my growth mindset and say, I'm sorry. Give me one moment. I think that's the best example. <laughs> and so I open the door and let the dog go outside. But I think what I really want your audience to recognize is that at 46, with the degree in psychology, having written about mindset, this is my work that I do every day. I still struggle with that perfection voice in my brain. I don't want anyone to feel hopeless or anyone to believe like, oh, if you do this, you're stuck. I got to tell you, me at 46 is very different than me at 23. My brain is much more malleable and adaptable in terms of I can now recognize that negative voice in my head. I feel less challenged by it. I don't feel as guilty, though I get very frustrated when I find my hat that my dog just was chewing as we were talking on the ground. Yeah, my fixed mindset's a little frustrated right now, but... I can also decide, hey, you know what? It's all going to be okay, Jeff. Like, like, you're frustrated. I'm allowed to feel frustrated. That's one of the things that I want to make sure that your audience understands. Growth mindset, which is the opposite, does not mean be positive. Growth mindset does not mean just everything is good. Ignore all those bad feelings. Let's look at this little monster. This oh is a little monster. Growth <laughs> mindset means look at mistakes, challenges, uh, difficulties, your dog jumping on your desk while you're trying to do a professional interview as opportunities to grow and change. You talked earlier, and we'll get into it, I promise. Resilience is what do we do when things don't go the way we want? How do we see something that doesn't go the way we plan and respond? Do we bounce back or to positive, we got this, encouraging, yeah, I'm upset, but I'm going to get back in it? Or do we see it as a sign that we're now no longer good and so we want to give up? We don't want to give a great effort anymore. Or fear of how others are going to view us. 
Sure. I hear that, I hear that a lot. Um, and I think from, I, I can see that same process from back, I mean, I was touring in the 80s too, and like, yeah. um, like the perfectionism, and I, I, I'm not a perfectionist. If you saw my office, you would <laughs> fall down. Um, but, you know, the striving for perfection. I noticed it when I was coaching that, you know, kids that were developing eating disorders because they wanted to fly and how they how they needed to overcome that and that um and they didn't put that connection together back in the time that they were looking for perfection that you know trying to they really wanted this one spot but i think that's a that's been a, a problem in our culture in our cheer culture world for a very long time and being able to recognize that like okay it's not that that we can grow from it and like when we start to recognize but i also you know kids have to grow up and sometimes they have to go through that and I think as coaches and parents we can talk to them and help them go through that but I think they have to get there themselves too and take some time and just yeah um, yeah being a parent and being a coach are some of the hardest yeah. positions to be in to be a teacher because you're influencing the next generation and you brought up a great point do we want to be, this is kind of the way that I look at, do we want to be an engineer, which means we try and fix and adjust and make everything go a certain way for our kids as parents? Or are we going to be shepherds? Are we going to create the field but still give our children the autonomy to explore? The science is very clear, parents. Which one is going to really give us what we're looking for in our kids, happiness, to be set up for success in life and to be a good person, to be a shepherd is the way to go. I get the engineering. Yeah. Ooh, look, this is going full circle, parents. Your amygdalas absolutely are losing their mind when you see your child upset and struggling. It is natural to want to fix and resolve that anxiety totally normal and natural but just because you feel it doesn't mean the action is actually the right one sometimes being that shepherd and stepping back and just letting your kids fail yes the four letter f word fail is actually sometimes the very best thing you can do let them fail and then talk about it, process it without fear of judgment and reprisal, just what was that like? What led you to that? Or just a big hug, I love you. Right. Yeah, sometimes we make mistakes. Right. I think the, uh, the, um, fear and pain, uh, well, so, I, I never learned to tumble because when I was a kid, I, I broke my collarbone three times, cartwheels and handstands and, you know, and so then in college, when I had the opportunity and people were spotting me, I had that massive fear, yeah. um, which is not really the point of this, but, but now as a PT, and I, you know, I manage pain and I work with people that come in with pain and, um, and struggling with pain and it, it's in the same realm of 
you know, your brain recognizes that and as like this is a fear, you know, like it's it's gonna hurt and it's a problem and it sends a signal to say stop doing this and then it kind of halts you so that you stop moving is a big it, it's all the same cycle, yeah. That's gonna lead me to so how do we because uh, I also think that as a movement therapist we're working towards creating uh, physical resilience and trying to get our bodies to be resilient and, you know, recover and be able to be in us for the long haul, for our joints to be healthy, all of this stuff. But you talk mental resilience, and um, and I I feel it's similar. So how do we you know, how do we develop mental? Is that what it's called? Mental mental resilience? Yeah. So sometimes um, applied sports psychologists will call it athletic resilience. I just because okay, are we talking like physical uh, muscles being able to come back from pain or joints? What, what are we talking about? When I am talking resilience, I am I'm talking about that mental resilience for our athletes. And why I love resilience so much is that. There is this belief, and I do feel this is very fixed-minded in nature. There is this belief by many coaches. It's kind of like an industry standard of we're looking for mentally tough athletes. And I am very big into give me the definition of what you think that means. Because when I hear mental toughness, one person might think, we're going to age ourselves. Carrie Strug. Let's watch that mental toughness. She hurt her ankle and she did it for her team. And that's those are the athletes I want. Do you know what culture she was brought up in to have her act in that way? It was an abusive mentally and emotionally and physically for her to become that resilient or mentally tough. Is that what you want in your gym? I'm not going to tell you, you can't. You do you. But parents, is that the gym you want your child in? There are some parents who would say, I would do anything for my child to be an Olympic athlete. I would do anything for my child to be a level six world athlete. That does not follow my value system. So I would not work unless the gym was looking for learning how to be psychologically safe. <laughs> but it's important to understand what is the definition of that word? Okay, so why do I talk about resilience more than mental toughness? Because I think mental toughness has this belief of like, you just give up a sense of yourself for other people. It is this self-sacrificing, I'll do it with my elbow hanging off, no coach, throw me in coach. Sure, I mean, that is mental toughness. I mean, that would really hurt. But at what cost? So I like thinking about mental resilience. How is it different? Mental resilience is the ability to be able to bounce back when something doesn't go well. It is the ability to recover. So what do you do next is often the way you can look at mental resilience. It's also 
an, uh, a cousin of confidence. Another way to think of confidence is self-belief. Confidence is not never making a mistake. Confidence is only true confidence is only seen what a person feels about themselves after they make a mistake. So I realize I'm opening Pandora's box. Let me make these little pieces very clear. Confidence, true confidence, is the ability for you to believe in yourself. Resilience and confidence are tied and interconnected. If you have a self-belief that you can overcome something, when mistakes happen, resilience, it's easier to bounce back from them. The difference is that resilience, when I think of it, is something that is directly related to the environment in which an athlete functions. So, what I talked about last week is an athlete, you can help an athlete build resilience by making sure you have a culture that shows high support. It is an athlete-centered approach that is psychologically safe. You are focused on the goals of the team. You are focused on what is in the best interest of that 17-year-old in front of you. Not throwing that double full with a torn ACL. But we're also offering a highly challenging environment. So a lot of people hear me, especially with growth mindset at first, and they're like, oh, you're talking about like kumbaya culture. Like, ooh, let's everybody have a safe place to go where no one feels bad. You clearly don't know Jeff Benson as a person if that's what you think I am saying. Growth mindset, confidence, mental resilience, you can't have it unless you're challenging someone. But I think what we believe in our sport is that challenging someone is to like be derogatory and like tell them they're garbage and that, that was awful and do it again and I want to see you throw up in that garbage can over there. Uh, yeah, that, that's not supportive. Mm-hmm. Sure, you have high challenge, but the thing is a lot of us look at, and this is not every, a lot of us look at the most winning teams and some of them we have seen very low support, very high challenge, and so the average coach thinks, well, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. If you want to win, that's how you do it. You're cutthroat, and you talk about winning, and hitting zero, and never making a mistake, and then they fall, and then, ooh, I thought I should call that person out, because I'm really mad right now. You're a failure. What's wrong with you? You let everyone down. That does not build healthy mental resilience. That causes trauma. And that, that's the direct opposite of working on a growth mindset of like, hey, just, you know, stone came down, fell everywhere. It was a bad day. Let's cry in our tea, and then tomorrow is a new day, and we're going to move on. And, and reckon, you know, I mean, call... Because recognizing that we are going to have bad days, we are going to 
not always give a not always feel 100% or not always hit 100%. But how do we move on and, and make that progress from there? And that all it all goes hand in hand, absolutely. Right. And one of the things to help continue to support what you're saying, what you just said as an example, like, okay, so instead of having like no support, this is how we can support. It happens, it's normal, we made a mistake. We, we had that fall and then that pyramid. Yeah, it's normal to feel really sad, upset. I get it. This is how we keep it a challenging environment versus low challenge, which ends up being really comfortable and it feels really nice, but you're not going to really achieve much. And you're also not going to become resilient. But that, so for all the other flip side of like, let's kumbaya our kids and everything is fine and dandy and let me hug you when you're upset. Love it. Do all that. But then you have to hold them accountable to how many of you came to practice last week? How much time are you putting into this routine? Hey, that group that fell on the competition floor, how many reps did you get in? How much effort are you giving when you make one mistake? In practice, you're the first to give up. You are the first to not show up to practice. You're the first to make excuses. You place blame on everybody else. Now, the way in which we have that conversation will either be high support or low support, but that's the challenge. We must still be able to hold kids accountable, parents, coaches, accountable to their actions, but in a supportive, loving way. That builds true mental resilience and it's not easy like you know neither, neither one of us like building resilience fit like in a strength and conditioning way is not easy and then like it's it, coaching and whatever it's, it's still it takes work and yeah. we are gonna fail as coaches and parents at some times and it's again the same thing like if we can keep growing with them that's gonna be a, a process but it's gonna make us more resilient in the long run too yeah. Um, um, so are there any, well, one piece before I ask you about tips for, you know, sure. but you talk about the triad a lot. Um, and I like that because I think as a coach, we sometimes feel like we're isolated and like, yes, we have other coaches, but like, and, and how, I mean, it's a team. Training is a team sport, and so all the coaches, the parents, and the athletes need to come together and work that way. Um, how did that, I don't know where I was going with that question, but I wanted to like acknowledge that because I think that's a, a really important piece in becoming resilient and having a better growth mindset. That's the support piece, exactly right. Um, so, do you have any tips for people who either are struggling in this or resources where they can potentially look? Like a book? <laughs> Um, or what specific for, um, for so I got somebody reach out and ask you know how can I help my, my cheerleader's just struggling right now it's a lot she's got school cheer and uh, all star cheer and we're traveling forever and she's exhausted and tired and she just says she doesn't want to you know do it anymore um, and I have other people that come in to see me and you know yeah I'm so and, and I think you know it's February you guys have been gone non-stop for nine months you know like they're tired um yeah but um to, like because that's you know she's like how do i make this go away from my child 
like so so tips like that that you know how how does a coach help to make it better when things aren't hitting and they're going down to a big competition or you know a parent who's struggling and seeing their kids just spent <laughs> mentally spent uh would you allow me the opportunity to maybe share my screen yeah can yeah. people be able to see this yeah uh, yeah i'm gonna have awesome. it up on youtube um yeah. let me uh Multiple participants can share. No. Yep. Like that. There you go. All right, Laura. Let me know when you can see what I am attempting to share. I got that. All right. So many of you, if you don't follow me on Instagram or on Facebook, one, what is your problem? Get to it now. Exactly. Number two, <laughs> to be able to give you a, a visual resource to what I'm talking about, when we have high support in a high challenge environment, this is where kids, athletes, teams thrive. So Laura, specifically to your example, I like this. Like, how do I support my child? in the fact that they're like, I see them unraveling. I see that they're exhausted, they're getting sick. How do I support them through this? Maybe your athlete is even like contemplating giving up. Yeah, there are, it, it depends. It has to be my blanket answer because I don't know enough to each situation, but let me give you the blanket here. First, let's go over something we talked about. Are you trying to remove a normal, natural evolution of just being an athlete? If you're trying to remove it, you're being an engineering parent rather than a shepherd. So what do I mean by that? It's not about removing the feeling bad and exhausted. It's literally about asking your child questions. How long have you been feeling like this? Uh, if you were not tired and exhausted right now, if you would have slept, would you still feel this way? Next week, let's revisit this question and see if you have the same answer. If you're getting the same answer, I want to quit for day after day after day, that's when you have to go back to your family values. Let me give you an example. No value is wrong. Values are who you are or who you want to be. They are dictated, and they dictate, sorry, your choices, your actions, and behaviors. In my family, if you have committed to a team sport, you do not quit in the middle of the season because it's not just about you. It's about the team. So that's the high challenge if I'm your father. <laughs> You're not quitting. So how can I support you? And I ask. What can we do as a parent? And you're going to know this as a PT, like, how much sleep are you getting? What are you eating? What kind of um, hydration are you doing? Those are the three most important things because I get my 14-year-old, oh, I'm not feeling, I'm getting sick. This totally happened two weeks ago. Um... Jeff, I'm not going to school. This will be fun for everybody. I'm not going to school tomorrow, uh, today because I'm sick. <laughs> okay. Okay. My husband, oh, my daughter, 
I am her stepdad, my husband, and then she has her mom. Just so that everybody can get an idea of how this works. So for me, I'm like, okay, she's sick. Oh, she stays home. Oh, Jeff, my husband, Jeremy. I don't think she was telling the truth. Trust me. There are lots of things that she will, will figure out if this is actually what she wants. So for me, if you're sick on Friday, you don't get to do go out on Friday night, and you don't get to do a sport the next day because you're sick. Being sick is your body telling you you need to slow down and you've made bad choices. So I, I think she should stay home, Jer. Like, tell Cheryl, yep, she should stay home. Um, what ends up happening Friday night, miraculously she's feeling better. I want to go to horseback riding lessons the next day on Saturday. Absolutely not. No way in the world. Nope, 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 nope. There are three of us. It gets complicated. Gotta use a growth mindset. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's a no. No for me. Dad, mom, no, we think she should. So, everybody changes their plans, Take her, takes her to horseback. She says she's fine in the morning. Does everyone want to guess what happens Saturday night? She's sick. Yeah. Do you want to know what happened the next day? I feel fine because there's something I want to do. Do you want to know what happened on Monday? She was sick again. Parents, your kids' bodies are talking to them when they are tired and exhausted. And so part of our high challenge in our family was, Haley, I get it, you're 14. You like want to set your bedtime. You want to set your wake-up time. I get it. You want to tell us what you want to eat. I get it. Sorry, kid, you messed up. That chaos, you've lost my trust. You cannot be trusted to take care of your body today. And some of you might be like, oh, you're being the engineer, Jeff. Oh, no, I let her fail. I let her fall hard on her face. What I want to do now is help create an environment where she is getting her eight to nine hours of sleep where she is eating proper amounts of protein with vegetables and fruit and hydration. And yes, I'm going to make sure it happens. Not talking about weight, not talking about body. I'm talking about getting the nutrients. And then at the end of the week, how are you feeling? Oh my gosh, miraculously she's healthy. She's never felt better in school. She's not falling asleep at eighth period anymore. And so then I let go, let her make more choices, and then instead of engineer and continue to be in her business, oh, Haley, it's 9.30 and you're still up, and you haven't gone, gotten ready for bed. No, I'm going to XYZ. That's an interesting choice. Looks like maybe we didn't learn. Got it, Jeff. I get where you're going. I'll go wash my face. No, you don't have to. But just remember, there are consequences, high challenge, to your actions and choices. And I'm going to hold you lovingly accountable to them. How far off topic did I get, Laura? No, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, <laughs> and, you know, I think one thing that, that caught my ear, because you said, no, you failed today. Like, you didn't say you failed, you suck. 
you know, but you fit, like you called her out and today, and tomorrow is a chance. And like, I think that's, you know, and let's go back to our standards and our values. And, um, um, I think that's, well, that's a good, that's a good learning lesson. And, and that's it. And they have to, that's what they, you know, 14 and my mom would say 27 have to keep testing those numbers of, you know, <laughs> um, pushing and, and pulling and, and all that. But, um, I think the key is, you know, have those conversations, set the high standards, and be supportive in the process as well. Yeah. yeah. I can I can sit and talk on this forever, and uh, I hope that we can, can have this conversation again in the future. Like, I, um, I love that. I'm, 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 I like the mental piece of it. That, you know, like I think that that's a piece that, I, that I've needed all along, so um, I think it it's very helpful for everybody that's especially that's coaching currently so um, yeah so, um where can everybody reach you how can they connect with you you can find my website mindbodycheer.com and there you can get access to my email jeff at mindbodycheer you can get access to see some of the courses that i do with athletes parents and coaches specifically around mental blocks if you're interested in doing other work, you can also uh, connect with me on Facebook, Jeff Benson, or Instagram, Jeff Benson. And I love, even if it's just, hey, I have a question or I have a scenario, something you said resonated with me. Can I get your take on it? I love to help. We talked about core values. Helping is absolutely at the top of my list. So if I can help, I absolutely will do everything I can within my boundaries to help. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. This is a great, and I need everything people, you know, make sure you connect with Jeff um, and let us know your biggest takeaways from today. Um, and uh, I look forward to talking to, for this ongoing conversation and I love all the things that you're doing to bring awareness thank to you. it as well. So. I appreciate that so much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk and speak on your platform. It means a lot. Thank you. All right, everybody, have a great uh, day. Don't forget, when in doubt, breathe it out. Take life one step at a time. And as my friend Drew Kelleher said, you're responsible for your own vibes. So go get the day. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Cheer Athletes. If you enjoyed it, please remember to like, share, and review. Because when you do that, it reaches more people. And if you have any comments, please leave them below. I look forward to having an ongoing discussion. To access our free guides for the, from the Cheer PT, we have a Healthy Day 7 Day Cheerleading Challenge and the uh, Healthy Fit Cheer, which will help you improve your jumps and your tumbling. And then the 10 Top Ways to Prevent Cheerleading Injuries, along with our concussions, uh, our concussion interview series. Any of these free guides you can find available in the links below. And... Uh, you know, if you have any questions, please reach out. You can always reach us at www.newbetterllc.com. Have a great day. Live life without productions and keep cheering.